0: On the teaching that we have been going through for the last couple of weeks. As you are all aware, those that are following our teaching on Sunday evening, we are currently going through a series of teachings on kingdom values. Kingdom values. As we stated before, values are a set of beliefs or practices that we treasure and consider to be most important as they form the foundation for the way in which we live our lives on this side of heaven. They are what a person considers highly important in life and therefore he esteems it precious and honorable. Jesus said in Matthew six twenty one, if you recall, that where our treasure is, there will our heart be also. That means that whatever we consider valuable and worthy of respect, our heart and our mind will wrap itself around those values and pursue them with vigor and with passion. Kingdom values, therefore, are the foundation of Christian character and spiritual maturity. For example, your values determine the kind of person you are and they shape your character. Your character in turn shapes your behavior. Did you know that everything in your life is founded upon the values you embrace? And the things that you hold dear to your heart. Your commitments are based on your value system. For example, your investments, both monetary and time-wise, are based on what you value in your life. Again, as we've mentioned before several times, there are only two sets of values in our world. One is a worldly value system that is based on the fallen nature of man, and the other is a godly value system that is based on the righteousness of God. God's Word commands us, in Colossians chapter 3 and verse 2, to set our affection on things above and not on things on the earth. And the only way, of course, that we can do that is by embracing a godly value system by which we choose to live our lives on this side of heaven. So today, uh, last week we covered the value of godly relationships. Both I and Pastor Frank gave us a teaching. I was in Zimbabwe; he was down here in Cape Town. They gave us—he uh, gave us a teaching on the mystery. Of godly relationships. Today we will study the value of generosity. The word generous is defined as liberal in giving or sharing. It is also defined as unselfish, free from meanness or smallness of mind or character. Another word is magnanimous. Generosity according to the word of God, is one of the foundational values of the kingdom of God. Our Heavenly Father, for example, is known throughout the scriptures as a generous God. He is generous in mercy, he is generous in grace, generous in forgiveness, generous in love, in spirit, in kindness, and in substance. Psalm 145 verse 8 and 9 says, The Lord is gracious and full of compassion, slow to anger, and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all, and His tender mercies are over all His works. There is nothing small or stingy about God's nature or character. The Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Romans chapter 8 verse 32. We see here in that verse of scripture, John 3.16, how the love of God is expressed through generosity by not withholding his own son, but giving him up for us all so that we could be saved through him. Romans 8.32 says, He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You will always find God on the giving side. He loves to give and he lives to give. To the measure, I believe, he is allowed to live his life within us, we will be the same as he is, generous both in spirit as well as in substance. Generosity, therefore, should be one of the most outstanding characteristics of God's people, regardless of their status or the circumstances we may find ourselves in. Christians are called to exemplify generosity on every level of human existence. Wherever and whenever you see the love of God expressed and displayed, you will always find generosity present. In fact, I would like to make this statement. Generosity is the life and the nature of God flowing through us as we yield to his grace within us. It is the grace of God within us, the grace of generosity that flows through us when we allow it to, or rather when we yield to him to flow through us. Let's look at a vivid example from the New Testament in establishing this fact. The churches in Macedonia, Paul had so much to say concerning the generosity of these churches. I'm going to be reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verses 1 through 5. I'm reading from the message translation, but you're welcome to read it from whatever translation you have in front of you. This is what Paul writes about the churches in Macedonia. He says, Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came upon, down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperate poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford pleading for the privilege of helping out in the relief of poor Christians. This was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. Please notice the first passage we just read concerning the churches in the province of Macedonia. The Word of God says that God was working in surprising and generous ways within these churches. God was at work. So this supports the statement I made earlier that it was God's grace of generosity working and flowing through them as they yielded themselves to the grace of generosity. The New King James translation says it this way, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of the joy and the deep poverty abounded in the riches of the liberality. We see, therefore, that God's grace, the grace of generosity, was flowing richly and abundantly through these folks, manifesting in great generosity in the midst of great trial and poverty. The key, of course, to the generosity was their unreserved surrender to the Lord and to those whom God sent to them. Scripture says they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us, talking about the apostles that were sent to them. None of us in the natural, I believe, can be that generous to the extent that these folks were unless the grace of God, the grace of generosity and liberality is allowed to flow through our lives. And we need to understand that it is Christ's generosity within us that releases whatever is needed at the time to help someone in need. Paul said it this way, It is not I, but Christ now lives in me. And we're not talking about substance and and we are speaking about spirit as well. There is generosity in forgiveness. If it's forgiveness we need to give, we give it joyfully and willingly. And all of us from time to time will come to the place where we need to release forgiveness to those who have done us harm or perceived harm, and we need to be generous in forgiving, in releasing, and in letting go. If it's kindness and understanding they need, then we give it generously. If it is daily provision they need, we release it generously, if it's within our means, of course. The Apostle John said the following concerning this matter. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 16 through to 18, he says, But this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Notice, therefore, that it is the love of God within us acting on the behalf of those in need. God's love expresses himself through acts of generosity towards others. These Macedonian believers came under severe trials, the Word of God tells us, pushing them to their limits. But in the midst of these great trials, God's grace flowed richly through them, causing such great generosity to be released through them. In fact, Paul says something that blows my mind. He says they pleaded with the apostles to receive their gifts for the fellow believers who were struggling financially in another part of the world. You know what? I have been in ministry for almost 40 years and I have never witnessed anyone pleading with me to take the money, except few examples. These folks the word says, they they said, please, and you know what? They didn't have much. Please take these gifts to our brethren on the other side of the world because they were struggling. There was famine during that time, and they were in severe need. As believers of Christ, followers of Christ, we need to ask ourselves, Is generosity one of my values? Do I value generosity? Do I consider it as important in my life? Do I consider myself a generous person? Or I find it difficult to forgive, I find it difficult to share, I find it difficult to be kind to others, to be magnanimous and generous and bless them, and forgive them, and support them, and encourage them in whatever way they need. And if I do consider myself generous, by what standards do I measure that? How is God's generosity expressed through me? Some really uh, important questions to ask ourselves. In the book of Acts, chapter 20, verse 35, Paul says, I have shown you in every way, by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. Let me ask a question. Why is it more blessed to give than to receive? Because giving places you in a position of receiving. Jesus said in Luke 6.38, Give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Now, the motive for being generous or giving is not so that we can get back. And if we do get back, it's so that we have more to give. It's important to understand that. But giving, nevertheless, Jesus stated that it places you in a position to receive. I believe that the measure of generosity you show to others will be the measure of generosity shown to you by others and much more. And that's a fact. Now, <clears throat> let me give you some of the rewards of generosity because God highly values generosity. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25 says, The generous soul will be made rich, and he who waters will also be watered himself. You forgive, you are forgiven. You give, it shall be given back to you again. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, Jesus said. Now, rich means abundant supply with resources, with means, with relationships, with opportunities. Another verse of Scripture in Isaiah verse uh, chapter 32, verse 8 says, But a generous man devises generous things, and by generosity he shall stand. In fact, in Psalm 41, there are a number of promises to those who consider the poor. The Bible says he will be with them, he will support them, And in fact, in the bed of sickness, he will raise them up and he will strengthen them. That's, I haven't got it written here, but you can look it up, Psalm 41, verses 1 through 3. Now, there's an outstanding example of a man in the book of Acts on how God honors and rewards generosity. In fact, a whole chapter in the Bible was written about this man. Do you know who this man was? Anybody know? Come on Bible scholars. I've even given you the chapter. It is in chapter 10. The man was Cornelius. A Roman centurion. He was known... As a man who prayed always and who gave alms always. Now let's let's read a little bit about this man whom God so highly favored that he says he raised a memorial before the throne of God. Can you imagine that? Let's read Acts chapter 10 verses 1 through 6. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment, a devout man, and one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, And when he observed him, he was afraid and he said, What is it, Lord? So he said to him, Your prayers and your alms or generosity have come up for a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea, and he will tell you, What you must do. Now remember, Cornelius was a Gentile centurion in the Roman army. He was considered by Jews as an outsider, as an unclean person, a person who has no covenant with God. But the Bible says he feared God. He prayed to God he did not know yet, and he gave generously to the poor. Now look what happens. God sends an angel to him informing him that his prayers and generosity have built a memorial before God and as a result he is now instructed for Peter to send for Peter who will come to his house and will show him the way of salvation. In other words, he will show him how to be born again. Isn't that incredible? Here is a man who prays to God he doesn't know, but because he fears God and he has pity on the poor, God instructs an angel from heaven to come to him and tells him which man to send for, and that man, when he comes, he will show him how to get saved. I I believe this is one of the most incredible things in the Bible for me. You know, the word memorial means something designed to preserve the memory of a person. It's like a monument. Cornelius touched the heart of God to such an extent with his generosity and his prayer life that he became the first Gentile to receive salvation through faith in Christ. In fact, Cornelius, through his generosity and prayers, opened the door of salvation to the Gentile world. It is through him that the Gentiles uh, became uh, recipients of the gospel of Christ. And I've learned this from the example of this man. And from other examples in the Bible. When we mix our prayers with acts of generosity, something supernatural takes place in the Spirit, and heaven is moved on our behalf. Never forget that. We see this phenomenon over and over again in the Scriptures. We witness the miraculous survival of the widow in 1 Kings chapter 17. And if you're a Bible scholar, you would know what I'm talking about. When she was willing to give her last meal to the prophet Elijah, people were dying from starvation all around her. Thousands of people died because it didn't rain for three and a half years. But she was provided for with her family by an act of generosity. So when the prophet knocked on her door and asked for a glass of water and asked for a meal, and she had the last meal, she didn't refuse him. She accepted him into his house. She gave him part of her meal, even though it was the last. But that act of faith that released generosity brought her out of a sure death, not just her but her son and, of course, the prophet who stayed with them for many months until the rains came back. Now, Paul writing to the church in Philippi in regards to the generosity says the following. So you can see here that generosity, as I've mentioned earlier on, is one of the foundational values of the kingdom of God. I don't believe that you can be really born again, thoroughly saved, filled with the Spirit, and not be generous in every way. That's the very nature of God. He writes to the Philippians in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 15 through to 19. Those of you who are going through the book of Philippians with Stephen on a Thursday evening, I know you haven't reached uh, chapter 4 yet, but you're getting there. Now you Philippians, Paul says, know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving but you only. For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that bounds to your account. Indeed, I have all and abound. I am full, having received from Epaphroditus the thing sent from you, a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice, well-pleasing to God. And then he gives them this promise. And please notice, this promise is not given to everyone. It is only given to those who are generous and my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by christ jesus notice what paul says he labels the generosity as a sweet smelling aroma an acceptable sacrifice which is well pleasing to god and then he gives them a promise saying my god shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What do we see here? We see an important principle. Their generosity gave them access to God's riches in glory. Can you imagine that? You have access to God's riches. And God's riches is not just monetary. It is so much more than financial. It is so much more than what sometimes we see or we feel. Now, I believe that acts of generosity are never overlooked by the Lord. But when they are done with the right attitude, with the right motive, they are richly rewarded. And of course, the temptation will always be present to close our hearts and our hands and hold back in giving. But when we realize that this is who we are, folks, we are children of the living God. And as citizens of the kingdom of God, this is who we are, this is what we do. Generosity becomes a way of life for us. And so Paul, in his exhortation to the Corinthians, he writes the following. But as you abound, he says, in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace also. The Lord Jesus desires that we grow and abound in the grace of generosity adopt that i know we have a wonderful generous spiritual family both locally and abroad truly there are many times that i am in tears seeing the kindness and the generosity of our people truly i am so Uh, blessed and proud of our spiritual family. But this is one of the foundational values and I encourage you to grow in it, to abound in it, in every good work. Be generous in spirit, be generous in forgiving, be generous in encouraging others in all ways Uh, making yourself available to help, to encourage, to pray for others, and to assist when one part of our family is struggling. We are always there to help and and to meet that need. And so my prayer is that our hearts will always be open, both in spirit and in substance, and we will live life with an open heart and an open hand and say to the Lord, here I am Lord, flow through me, how would you have me and what would you have me to do? Amen. So let us close in prayer and uh, we will open it up for any prayer requests or anything you might want to add. Father in the name of Jesus we thank you For your precious word, we thank you that you are so generous and magnanimous. Lord, your word declares that you so loved the world that you gave and continue to give. Jesus not only gave his life on the cross, but the word tells us that he continually gives himself, even now at the right hand of God, interceding and praying for each and every one of us. We thank you for your generous heart, your generous spirit. Thank you for your kindness, your mercy, your grace that is so rich. And we pray that we will imitate you, Lord, that we will yield ourselves to you completely, that you may flow through us and touch others in our world, in our sphere of influence, so that we may Be the perfect example of Christ's generosity. We give you thanks for tonight. We give you thanks for answered prayer as well. And we remind you, Lord, and we remember Tom as he lies on the bed. Father, we remember your promise and we thank you for being with him. We give you praise for restoring him completely from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. We pray that you would strengthen him in spirit, in his soul, in mind, as well as in his body. We thank you for those that are ministering to him, the nurses, the doctors. We thank you for the surgeon that operated on him. We give you praise for everyone who helped in the situation and in the crisis. And we thank you, Lord, for showing your strength and your glory through Tom. And when he is raised from the bed of sickness, he will be a testimony, a living testimony to your glory and honor. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.